this season of Advent, a whole month of ce- before celebrating the birth of Jesus, is a bit odd and a bit confusing. Why all of the buildup? Why not just skip immediately to the birthday party? Jesus has already been born. We all know that. It's not a surprise. It's not new. Jesus has already been born. And yet we have this sort of make-believe time as if Jesus hasn't already been on earth, hasn't been born. In fact, there are some congregations that won't even sing any Christmas carols that reference the birth until after December 25th. And the concept of the 12 days of Christmas are pretty well known because of the song, The Twelve Days. But many people are not aware that the 12 days begin on Christmas Day, and they're after Christmas, not beforehand. Again, since we all know that Jesus has been born already, why this whole month of Advent? Well, if our intent is to pretend that Jesus has not yet ever been born on earth, I think we're missing the point. On the other hand, I think if this season reminds us of the truth that Jesus has come, but has also promised that he will come again, Advent can be of profound benefit. We all know that the birth of Jesus did have a huge and positive impact on the world. Over the centuries, so much has changed because of Christ. And yet, we are still far from living on earth as God would have us live. In that sense, we're still waiting. Waiting for the whole of God's promises to be fulfilled. The season of Lent allows us space in time to confront the world as it is, knowing that better is on the way. It allows us to be honest and open to the truth. The season of Advent also allows us space and time to learn from those who have come before us how to wait in the meantime. From the perspective of those of us who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. The whole of the Hebrew First Testament is a record of God's people waiting, waiting for the Messiah. And in their own way, the stories and letters from the Greek New Testament continue the theme of waiting on God. In fact, our main text for this morning is a great example of this. In this part of Luke's gospel, as we heard, Jesus has already been born. He's about eight days old at this point. And at the same time, much is yet to be fulfilled. So in looking at both Simeon and Anna, we can learn a great deal about what it means to wait on God in patient hope. Luke makes it clear, quite clear, that waiting has been a characteristic of 
Simeon's whole life. In verse 25, we read that part about how there was this man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. That phrase, the consolation of Israel, is very important. Simeon wasn't uh, wasn't hoping for some sort of personal salvation for himself alone. Simeon's desire had been that the whole of of God's people might be lifted up by God, might be consoled by God and lifted up, released from oppression, that they might live in shalom with one another and all of creation, that Israel might also fulfill its purpose as being a blessing to the whole world. These are the things that God has promised. This is what Simeon was waiting for. And in this moment, Simeon receives what he has been waiting for when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, so to the whole world, not just Israel, but also for glory to your people Israel, as Christ is born Jewish and in the midst of God's people Israel. Simeon understands that the whole world will be blessed through this baby, through Christ. Simeon, I love that that scene. He takes this baby in his own arms and knows that God will fulfill all God's promises through this baby. Simeon also knows, though, that he won't live to see all of that fulfillment. But he holds in his arms the tangible embodiment of what he has patiently hoped for. Luke gives us another model of this patient hopefulness in Anna. The the NIV makes it sound a little more clear, uh, but Anna is thought to be either 84 years old or as old as 105. Either way, uh, she was only married for seven years before her husband died. So she has spent decades as a widow in a culture in which widows often struggled greatly. From her response to seeing the baby Jesus, we know that she too has been waiting for God to show up and set things right. And that she sees the beginning of God's answers in this newborn. Luke notes that she uh, had been in the temple praying and uh, worshiping on a constant basis, fasting. And then coming up at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about that child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So she too is at the end of her life, 
And like Simeon knows that she will not live to see the fulfillment of all of God's promises, and yet she rejoices. She sees the beginning of all that she has waited for in this newborn. Both Simeon and Anna represent what will likely be the reality for all of our lives. Waiting for God to set things right. Knowing that the first coming of Jesus signaled a a whole new beginning of the way God was acting on earth. But at the same time, none of us here are likely to live to see the fullness of God's reign on earth in our lifetimes. So from both Simeon and Anna, we learn how to live in the meantime. One of the best explanations of this that I have read comes from uh, the writer, the author, Henry Nouwen, about waiting. Uh, Nouwen writes this. Waiting, as we see it in the people of the first pages of the Gospel of Luke, is waiting with a sense of promise. Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth, is to bear you a son. Mary, listen, you are to conceive and bear a son. Uh, Simeon, you will see the Lord's anointed one, the Christ. People who wait have received a promise that allows them to wait. They've received something that is at work in them, like a seed that has started to grow. This is very important. We can only really wait if what we are waiting for has already begun for us. So waiting is never a movement from nothing to something. It is always a movement from something to something more. Zechariah, Mary, Elizabeth, Simeon, Anna, We're all living with a promise that nurtured them, that fed them, and made them able to stay where they were. Waiting is also active. Most of us think that waiting is something very passive, a hopeless state determined by events totally out of our hands. Those who are waiting are waiting actively in Luke's gospel. They know what they are waiting for is growing from the ground on which they are standing. That's the secret. The secret of waiting is the faith that the seed has been planted, that something has begun. Active waiting means to be present fully to the moment in the conviction that something is happening where we are and that we want to be present to it. It is an active waiting in which We live the present moment to the full in order to find there the signs of the one we are waiting for. For us, the seed that has been planted is the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, the Christ. Like Simeon and Anna, in our own ways, we have beheld the salvation of the world in the coming of the Christ to earth. We have seen that seed grow 
in the history of this planet and in our own lives and in this congregation. Though we still await the fulfillment of God's promise to one day set all things right, we continue to be alert to the signs of God's presence here and now, every day, in our own lives and in our world. And that is how we wait, actively. And those signs of new life and salvation give us hope. They also give us patience. Patience is a significant part of waiting. One more quote from Henry Nouwen. The word patience means the willingness to stay where we are and live the situation out to the full in the belief that something hidden will manifest itself to us. Impatient people are always expecting the real thing to happen somewhere else and therefore want to go elsewhere. Patient living means to live actively in the present and wait there. The word for patience comes from the Latin verb patior. Did I say that? P-A-T-I-O-R? I got it. Patior. He's, I have my Latin expert here. Which means, it comes from that Latin verb, but which means to suffer. I did not know this, that that was the root of patience. It's the same root as suffering. Waiting patiently is suffering through the present moment, tasting it to the full, letting the seeds that are sown in the ground on which we stand grow into strong plants. Waiting patiently always means paying attention to what is happening right before our eyes and seeing there the first rays of God's glorious coming. Simeon's own words to Mary reflect this understanding of patient waiting. He says this to Mary, sovereign, or let's see, excuse me. Uh, yeah. Nope. Here we go. Simeon blessed the parents and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. She's just given birth to a baby. He's eight days old and he's already saying that to her. But John Calvin believes these words from Simeon must have eventually been a help for Mary in the later years especially. He writes, Mary needed Simeon's admonition that she might not expect Christ to be received by the people with universal applause, but that her mind on the contrary might be fortified by unshaken courage against all hostile attacks. This warning must have contributed greatly to fortify the mind of the Holy Virgin and to prevent her from being overwhelmed with grief when she came to those distressing struggles which she had to undergo. Mary, we know, was going to suffer greatly as the mother of Jesus. 
And yet she took note of all of the signs of God's work in her life, especially around the birth of her child. And she held these things in her heart and continued to watch and wait with patient hope, just as Simeon had and Anna had. I remember the first time that I read our Hebrew First Testament reading, the Psalm 13, the first time I read it in a way where I actually heard it. And I remember being caught up in the anguish of these questions. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? This is deep, painful anguish. And then I came to those affirmations at the end. Oh, but yet I trust in the Lord. I praise God. And it just didn't seem to connect with the psalmist's suffering that started this psalm. I think now I understand far more that those words at the end of the psalm um, aren't said in pretend to ignore the pain in the person's heart. They are said in truth that the psalmist might endure the pain in their heart until someday God does set all things right. It is a patient hopefulness. Christ has already been born on earth. God has announced to the world peace on earth, goodwill to all. But still, we wait. We wait for the day when that announcement Will, that we celebrate on Christmas Day will actually be filled full when Christ comes again. We wait like Simeon, like Anna, like Mary, in patient hope. And therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men and women, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen.